Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach and motivational speaker who has a passion for helping women who need a second win. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Effortless Happiness, How to Find Your Voice and Finally Ask for What You Really Want. She studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, and is a fully certified coach in his program. Also, she has served as an assistant in his training programs. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted thousands of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you to get your second wind. Now here's your host, Joyce Buford. Good afternoon. How are you? Welcome to Second Wind. As you know, we are in a series discussing the narcissist. You may know a narcissist. You may know, uh, you may be married to or have a friend or a boss, somebody that has these traits of basically selfishness, full-time selfishness, and it's all focused about them. Well, my guest uh, presenter is Sandra Beck, and she and I have been having a really good discussion about the different traits of the narcissist from anywhere from key traits to how you you attract one of those people to all different ramifications of the narcissist so you could identify them now if you want to go since this will be the third in the series it may be necessary for you to go back to one And listen from there so that you'll get a sequence of getting to know the narcissist better. Also, you, while you're at number listening to one, you'll hear about Sandra Beck. And Sandra is just an awesome person. And so we have joined forces to help share this message. So welcome, Sandra. Well, I'm so glad to be here for, for episode number three in our series. This is, is so great. Isn't it fun? It's fun, yeah. but it's also very, I, I love that we're able to shed light on some of the confusion that some people may have been experiencing and had no idea why this relationship was so wacky, actually. Right. <laughs> so wacky. So one of the things I think we needed to talk about today to start us off on the continuation of this discussion is that the narcissist really is so much about his or her wants that she has, they have no idea about the way they affect, nor do they want to lose their person that they have decided to be their partner because they are a very giving, kind, generous, bend over backwards to make their life easier. So they have been particularly picked by the narcissist to be their partner or employee. So tell us what you think. Why does the narcissist just keep on coming back for when we decide maybe we could go another direction or we it's time to leave or why is it? Well, they keep coming back because most often we let them. <laughs> uh, they say they're sorry they behave for a little bit they do something you know nice for us but it's really to keep us hanging on the line and so 
They call the term in the psychological community, and I'm not a psychologist or a therapist. I'm just a, a coach. Um, they call it the narcissistic fuel supply. And that really means they come back to you if they get what they want, like a baby going back to his mother. You know, if the baby cries, yeah. the mother picks it up. The baby will cry to get the mother to pick it up. Well, the narcissist, we train the narcissist the same way. So when we give in to their temper tantrums or their ridiculous things or we excuse bad behavior, just because we don't want to rock the boat um, or say no, mm. then we are helping to train them to really come back and we and we allow it. Mm-hmm. But I think so many times we allow it because we have such hope. We're so hungry for the relationship to work that we, yes, I so agree. We allow it, but I could, I see the, and have felt the desire that, oh, this is a turning point. You know, the light has shown and this is a turning point. But I, I hear when you say you have to be strong and say no and realize this is just another ploy. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I remember silent treatments sort of, uh, you know, there was no talking in the, in the house. There was just this silence and I wasn't quite sure why the silence was there. You know? Well, it's a way of making you, it's a way of controlling you. You know, when somebody gives you the silent treatment, you think about what you did wrong. You think about what's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. are they, when are they going to talk to me again? Are they going to leave me? You know, all these mm-hmm. things are, are ways to manipulate and control you really unhealthy, immature ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember the silent treatment being a big tool of my mother. <laughs> That's so funny. It just now came out. Um, but I think many times we're programmed so early in life with some of those tactics, and she may have been a narcissist in her own right, but uh, we've seen that it's a it's something we're used to, and when it reappears, it's almost like a, a, a friend coming back. We identify it, we can see what they're doing, and uh, but yet it feels comfortable. How weird that is. Yeah, well, it's familiar. You know, a lot of us are children or siblings or grandchildren or had a primary caregiver with narcissistic tendencies. And, mm-hmm. you know, we learned how to get along with them. Yeah, yeah, we did. I, I'm, I'm sure I did for sure growing up. Now, uh, once, when a narcissist decides that he is moving on because the relationship is not working, they're said that many times they go ahead and choose their next um, empath, which is what the kind, gentle, sweet person is that he normally looks for, one that's very malleable, easy to shape, um, that he many times goes and he, and I use he, but it could be she, um, they choose to uh, go ahead and find their replacement. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, you know, when people, when people get replaced by a narcissist, they immediately go to, you know, what did I do wrong? What did I... 
what could I have done better? How could I, how could I, you know, they kind of beat themselves up. I know I did. Mm -hmm. And really what the narcissist is doing is moving on to another fuel supply, you know, another person that will give the narcissist what they want, which is all the attention would give them, you know, praise, give them excuses, buy into their lies, their excuses when they do something wrong that are okay with not having an intimate relationship and not receiving unconditional love or support. You know, they just move on to somebody else, almost like a locust moves on after it eats all the grain and all the wheat. It just goes on to another field. It doesn't right. mean that person's any better than you. They're just interested in getting what they want. Right. And what happens to the old relationship many times is there's just absolutely cut off as though you don't exist anymore, which makes it really difficult sometimes when you have children. Now what do we do? You know, we've got this this like uh you are dead to me approach, and yet you have children which you still need to interact with them to be able to make that smooth transition for the children as smooth as this can be. It's really hard because part of discarding the parent also means they don't want the kid to be talking to the parent that's been discarded. So in many cases, it's here's your new mother, here's your new father, and they disapprove of their children talking to the old mother or the old father, you know, which has been similarly discarded. And the kids get really uncomfortable, and some of them have to choose between accepting the mother into their life or the father into their life and discarding their own mother and father in order to please the narcissist, you know, it really gets all mixed up. Yeah. Do you think they actually have that conversation that says no conversation goes from this house to the other house? Absolutely. Really? What happens in this house, you know, you do not talk to your mother. Um, there are times when the narcissistic partner told my children, took their phones away. You're not to talk to your mother, you know, while you're with me. Now, that's a double-edged sword because you really don't want to be talking to your kids if they're over during the time with their dad or the time with their mom. But right. There are times when it's like, Mom, do you know where my soccer cleats are? Are they in my room? Mom, I left my science book home. You know, there's very honest reasons why a kid would need to reach the um, the parent. It doesn't have to mean anything nefarious is going on. And a lot of times when a kid is over with the other parent, um, They want to talk to the old parent, especially when the mother or father presents this new parent. That freaks the kids out. Right. Particularly if they didn't expect it. No. You know, in she walks and here she is. Or in he walks and here he is. Here's daddy. You know, that happens all the time. People get replaced in marriages. um, And then the old spouse is the one who caused all the problems and the new spouse is the hero. It's yeah. really, it's really tough on kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm absolutely convinced that, um, the old spouse is caught, is the cause of the problem. Oh, and always. Always the scapegoat. Always because we know he's trying to look, create the hero again 
I I did my best, but you know. But she is this, or you know, the the long suffering divorcee who blames everything for the next twenty five years on her ex husband. That everything that is wrong in her life is because of this, and that blame game again puts. Kids in a really tough position. Kids are hardwired to love their mother and father. Kids are hardwired to go to their mother and father because they are in pain, because they need stuff. I mean, the survival of the species relies on it. Babies don't pop out self-reliant. So there's a genetic hardwiring in all of us that has us go to that parent. So when you interrupt those parent bonds or you flip in new parents and drop out existing parents or disparage them, um, it's really, really hurtful and damaging for the child. Yeah, yeah. Well, how do you starve a narcissist? Narcissist, uh, and I think that's more about setting up some boundaries. It's absolutely very important that the party that leaves set up some sort of boundary so that. The, she's not constantly or he's not constantly called back by the narcissist. So, um, it's really hard for the empath to do that because it's not really in her or his personality to have that quality, but they, they now need to develop it more or less for protection to, um, give themselves some peace from, say, the chaotic experience they've had with the narcissist. So what were some of the tactics or um, things that you put into motion in your own life when you were going through the When I was in the separation. Separation, yeah. Yeah, the separation process and the divorce process, you know, it's the same thing. Um, And it's the same thing whether it's a sibling or a parent or a grandparent. Um, One of the things, when you talk about starving a narcissist, basically you're saying, I'm not going to be here for you to use me anymore. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about setting boundaries, for me, boundaries were a really hard concept and I didn't really like the word boundaries. It sounded really hard. So yeah. that's where I kind of like starving the person so that they're not, you know, kind of eating you up, taking advantage, taking your energy. Yeah. So one of the things that you do is you kind of stop sharing your emotions with them. You don't express anything. So if they say something, don't you know, act hurt, look hurt, sound hurt. If they accuse you, don't defend. Um, really just pretend that what they said didn't matter and listen only for the important things. Like I used to get tons of angry emails, you know, just a whole book a week of angry emails of everything that I've done under the sun. And so mm. what I got used to doing was scanning for the things I need to know, just scan it through. Is there the word sneaker in there? Is there a textbook in there? Is there soccer shorts in there? You know, that I have to find and return. Like, what is the action item that needs to be taken in here? And I didn't even bother to read the rest. I just read what I needed to find. Was was there a point to this email? And when you're on a phone call, um, repeating the question over and over, why are you calling? 
What do you need? Why are you calling? What do you need? Do the kids need something? Because quite frankly, if they're just calling to rip you a new one or to vent their frustration or try to get you to feel sorry for them, yeah. what do you need? You know, you repeat the same thing over and over. And the other thing that's really helpful is short responses. The best yeah. word in the universe is okay. Yeah. Okay does not mean I'll do it. Okay does not mean no. Okay, I understand. Okay, I hear you. If you say yes, yes, I will. If you say no, no, I won't. Or no, I can't. Or just plain no. Mm -hmm. Don't give a reason. Because a reason to the narcissist is another reason to engage, another reason to insult you, another reason to shame you or make you, you know, feel anything toward them. So don't get sucked in. It's it's like bait. Um, and they will bait you. They'll say things to purposely upset you, to purposely make you feel bad. So no shared emotions, short responses. Minimal interaction, just find out what you need, especially if you share kids or a company together. Don't contact them. Find a workaround. You know, if I didn't have something for the kids, I would see if I could purchase it, borrow it. If I could avoid dealing with the co-parent or the partner or the spouse, I would do it. And... um I would spend my time and energy not thinking about the narcissist, not thinking about the situation. I would go to the gym. I would take a walk. I'd put some music on. I'd watch a movie. It was all distraction. But you get in the habit, especially with a, a, an intimate partner or a parent or a co-parent or a family member, you have these habitual patterns you do when they call. You know, you drop yeah. everything, you sit down, you whatever, you grab it. And then after, you might grab a candy bar or grab a drink to calm yourself down. Mm-hmm. You want to identify these patterns and you want to break them. So if they call you and upset you and you had to keep your mouth shut the whole time because it's better for you and your kids... Go to the gym. Go play basketball with them. Yeah. Go watch a funny movie. Do something else but but ruminate on the narcissist. You know, that may, as you're saying that, it seems so simple. But for a person that has spent years of being always available, always there, always ready with an answer, or even pro-thinking the situation as much as is necessary with a narcissist, how you pro-think things so that you're sure. ready for whatever is brought back at you. It, it It's not a simple thing that you just said. No, I mean, the, well, takes, the concepts are simple, but doing yeah. it isn't easy. It's you simple. Know. Short responses, say no, say yes, yeah. and drop it. But actually doing it requires you to retrain yourself into new behaviors, and that takes time, and you're going to slip up. And some of the little cheats that I used to use, Joyce, yes, I would put a post-it. In those days, I had a home phone, and I had a cell phone, and I had an office phone. Now I only have one. But what I would do is I would put a post-it on my phone or put a post-it where I could see it. Just say no. Just say yes. Mm-hmm. No explanations, like little reminders, because yeah. I would get drawn in. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. took me a while. It probably took me six months, maybe, maybe to get it 
what I felt was fully under control. Just like having a baby, you know, you learn more, you get better each day that you have the baby. It's like yeah. this. You you just do a little better every day and that's enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just, um, I know that we probably incorporated, I always emphasize with all the uh, clients that I work with that I always love yourself. So of all the times to start this, and this is where you really have to start it because we don't, as a rule, empaths don't really take care of themselves as well as they should because their focus is always outward. But this is the time to start with the the soothing things, the loving. Go see a movie, a funny movie. Call a girlfriend. Uh, do something. I love your walking because we can all walk, and man, we can walk when we're angry or when we're we're calm. You know, we can stroll when you're but, sad. You know, my yeah, oh was, yeah. Put on a ball cap, great big sunglasses. Go walk in the park where nobody knows you. Tears mm-hmm. can run down your face and you can sniffle and everybody will think it's allergies <laughs> well you're right you're right <laughs> it's so funny yeah you certainly can i remember being called once after um i had been um, diagnosed with breast cancer and so all of a sudden out of the sheer blue comes this call i think i was standing in a flower shop and um i was all of a sudden, I heard this voice from the past, and it's all about this this recommended new treatment for cancer. And uh, it was so surreal because all of a sudden, I was hearing this long dissertation about this. I kind of, you know, my my softer said, "Well, he's kind of he's kind of um, being nice." But then I had to realize it was his hero that was trying to be rubbed again. Oh, thank you so much for letting me experience this or sharing that information, and I'll go check it out. Uh, but it, it's so interesting the way that the narcissist re tries to get back in to to get to you. Yeah, because they feed off you almost like, you know, it sounds so awful, but I'm just going to say it. It's like a vampire. If they can come back and get more blood for you and just keep you alive Uh long enough, they can just keep coming back again and again to get what they need, which is to feel important, to feel valuable, to feel heard. And the way they do that is to make you feel sorry for them or feel angry or have some emotion. It's not like they want you to jump up and hug them. You know, they want you to have some sort of reaction or go do something or, you know, make some big mistake and they're like, ha ha ha, look what she did. And that was because of me. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to finish this because I did. I stopped short. Uh, it, there was a solution. He offered a solution, but he oh. didn't offer support. And I, as I looked back over at the time, I didn't even realize this, but at the, as I looked back over it, I went, of course he didn't. You know, I mean, he didn't offer support, encouragement. It was, here's the solution. And so I just thought that was interesting to revisit. Well, yeah, because you're the hero. You give the solution. You just do it. And I don't have to really invest in you at all. 
uh, I don't have to take responsibility for it either. Yep. You know, see that it's going to happen or do anything. Yep. So anyway, we're talking about some, uh, really putting into practice some new habits that we haven't been using in most of our lives. So it's all about investing, but I keep coming back to the one that I think everybody has to, you'll use all these that, that Sandra has shared with you for sure. But the one that we stressed yesterday and the day before on the previous shows was that you need to find a therapist that will help support you with your particular narcissist. And how important that is. How important. Sandra also shared with you how you go about finding a therapist to help you with that interview and get the right therapist to help you with that. So did you create any new hobbies while you were going through this, Sandra? Because that's a great time to do that. I did. Um, I think my favorite one was... um, I started training in martial arts, which was way out of my comfort zone. The girls in my town said, come on, let's go to this, um, let's go to this Krav Maga class. And, you know, I was kind of nervous and, and it was like throwing a tantrum. You punch things, you kick things, you scream. It was Ah. the best thing for me because it was like throwing a controlled temper tantrum. Mhm. Yes. Approve. It's okay. You can have a temper tantrum. <laughs> That's what you were supposed to do. That's yeah. And so you know, I did. And then um, I really focused. I know this sounds silly. I focused on taking pictures on my iPhones of things that were beautiful. Ah. And it just you know because because I was going for my like you know trail of tears walks. Mm -hmm. And I really just wanted to capture some things that were beautiful. And that helped me. And then I got on my iPad and I played a lot of Candy Crush and silly video games like I was a little kid. And I'd play music. And so I don't know if they were really hobbies, but I super enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And um the Krav Maga got me more into fitness. I eventually became a fitness instructor and a spin instructor. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so that was nice. And mm-hmm. as I started getting better at taking care of myself, Joyce, when the therapist said, what do you do to take care of yourself? I was like, um, sometimes I get a manager. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like I did, I didn't know what that, um, I didn't know what that meant. And so once I got, I got into taking care of myself, I'm like, wow, like I, I would deep condition my hair. I would, um, you know, do my nails myself. You know, there wasn't, I didn't spend a lot of money in the beginning. That happened later. Like I got some new clothes. I got a haircut. Yeah. I got my hair professionally done. Like all these neat things. Um, but I got, I, I became my hobby because mm-hmm. I had neglected myself for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember what I did. And, and after we go, after we come back from break, I'm going to share the thing that I started doing or I did while I was going through my divorce that I love and I still have it today. So 
When we come back from this break, I will share that with you and hope maybe some others will be doing that as well. So we'll be back shortly. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. TokiNet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discount you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash Joyce, J-O-Y-C-E, to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of my show through TogiNet Radio. We have negotiated special rates at over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, sign up, and enjoy the discounts. This is BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, J-O-I-C-E. Welcome back to this segment of Second Win. Joyce Buford, the author of Effortless Happiness, continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. Now, just before we went to break, we were talking about how you pamper yourself, how you treat yourself. And one of the things Sandra was so great about sharing hers, and as she was talking, one thing that I did that I just love and I still had the benefits of it today is I was feeling so starved for love as I was going through that very difficult time of divorce and afterwards. And all I could think about was finding a puppy 
I oh. needed a puppy. I need somebody, something that just gave me unconditional love. You know, puppies are uh, dogs, animals, our animal friends are just so wonderful about, oh, I love you no matter what you look like, how you yell at me or anything. <laughs> and so it was, it really did the trick for me. It was just absolutely, um, what I needed at the time. Oh, so, brilliant. Isn't that true? Isn't that yes. True? Oh, and can yeah. I just say some other things? Like you just spurred on something. Yeah. I've always had dogs. So I have three dogs. and um, But you know what I bought was comfy pajamas. I bought this really luxurious blanket um, because I needed to snuggle up. And whether it was the air conditioning was on or whether it was a cold night, I felt so loved in this, like, oh, it was like, white and furry and you know I could just wrap myself up in it and you know I had my little routines for nurturing you know this like nice hot bath with a couple bath bombs and you know watch a movie on my iPad and then snuggle up and I also started sleeping in the bed with lots of pillows so I felt like I wasn't alone very good well, it's interesting because we are so different as humans. It's really, really important that we listen to our spirit during those time, our intuition that really tells us. It tells us what we need. Absolutely. And just as you needed fill, filling that bed and the coziness and the luxury of that furry comforter, I needed that puppy licking me and jumping and saying, oh, I'm so happy to be here. I love you. I love you. I love you, Joyce. I I love you. you. I love you. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) that's how you help yourself through those difficult times of that transition. That could work for anything, but it's all about looking and fulfilling that need, recognizing you need it, and go do it Mm -hmm. for sure. There were some things that I did have to do with my narcissist when I was going through my divorce. And I really had to turn on the ignore button that said, I'm not going to ignore. I'm going to ignore whatever he did this, whatever she did that. I needed to turn on something that sort of gave me a, a, a blind spot so that I didn't take it in. You know what I mean? Yes. You just have to be able to turn that off. You do. Because it's going to happen. And the criticism is going to come. And, um, and the guilt and the fear and the shame and just about every other negative emotion under the sun. So you just be prepared for it. Right. And I I have to say that one of the biggest challenges for me is, is of course, coming from that environment and and carrying the main shame of the divorce uh, because I had wanted the divorce. Uh, it was hard for me not to want to justify to people. And I must, I'll, I'll be honest, I maybe did it once or twice to my kids. And I, and I learned pretty quickly that that wasn't, that wasn't it. But, you know, we're all human and we all, want to be light or I wanted to be light. So I think that's a really tough part of the, of the process is to allow yourself to stumble and then go, okay, I'm correcting this today. So I want to give everybody out there permission to slip 
But to, there are certain things you have to do. And one of them is put up a, a wall toward that narcissist that can still continue to hurt you from distance. Sure. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, Joyce, too, that you, know, you talk about, you know, giving yourself permission. Um, you can't live with crazy without being a little crazy and driving your kids a little crazy. So give yourself a break as you... You know, as you leave this kind of crazy household, like this just, you know, you recognize this is insane what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have done some things that maybe you wouldn't do under other circumstances. So give yourself a break. And all you have to do is do your best every day. Mm-hmm. If you do your best, that's enough. You know, not every day. It's, it's like fitness. You know, you go to the gym and ride the bike every day. I go anywhere from 14 miles in an hour, Joyce, to 22 <gasps> miles in an hour. Oh, my goodness. So, but, you know, look at that big wide berth. So some days I'm tired. I don't do as well. Some yeah. days I'm rocking and I do 22 miles in the hour. You know, crazy, yeah. crazy. That's how it is when you're changing after you've been in a relationship, work, personal, or otherwise, with a narcissist. Some days you do great. Some days you don't do so great. You're tired. You're hungry. You're frustrated. You're lonely. You slip. Okay. The more important thing is to keep going. Definitely. Just pick yourself back up and keep on. That's it. I'm keeping on. One of the things you can do that really, really drives the narcissist crazy is you can be successful and happy. Your life can go on with much more joy than you've ever experienced. Um, it was just more fun to publish my book and, uh, have success with that. I was on, I was riding high, you know, I was so happy and that all came out of a reward to me to actually be able to get a book published, write a book, get it published. Uh, so I know that that success story for me was uh, not easy for my narcissist to take. No, it was probably really great for, <laughs> for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, because they don't want you to be successful. They don't want you to show them up. They they want you to stay in your place and be miserable and be heartbroken the rest of your life because they're not with you anymore. Mm-hmm. Wrong. Because yeah. <laughs> 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 that's you want to get a narcissist back. Live a good life. Be happy. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Work out. You know, live a full life. That is the best retaliation. Right. Yeah. So that's after that is when I got into coaching. And so that was all really for part of my recovery. You know, I needed to find that recovery for myself. And then I just loved the, the, the coaching part so much that in helping other people, cause I'm a volunteer and nonprofit person and it's just in my nature to want to help other people. So anyway, it was a natural thing for me to feed into. And were you already doing your life's work? Uh, Sandra? Um, not really. You know, that's the thing that, 
there's some gifts, you know, when you leave a marriage or you leave a relationship with a narcissist, you don't realize that there are gifts there. Mm-hmm. And one of the gifts was, um, Joyce, I started writing this blog as I was filing for divorce. I actually started it writing it. It was a secret one, writing it before I got divorced. And then as I started to get divorced, I got braver and started putting it out on the internet. And some people started reading it. And that's how I ended up at the Toginet radio station because they're like, wow, you're really funny. You really have a lot to say. You should be on the radio. And so... John Martin calls me and, you know, says, Hey, we, we, we love your stuff. And, um, what I found was as I, I got bolder with my shows, I also was able to reach out to all these great therapists, psychologists, coaches, a shaman, like you name it. And Uh, I would ask them questions and I did uh, a lot of shows about this about divorce about what to do how to be your best and you know it was the biggest gift and I didn't wake up ever 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 in my life thinking I would be a radio host that I would be a person of influence like (laughs) never Um, you know so Uh I want to thank the narcissist because they gave me something to say and that led to a new career Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. So, you know, as we we talked a little bit about this subject yesterday, and I do I, I don't want anybody to over slide over this, the importance of Sandra found her Therapy through work, through writing, which we all know is a valuable tool in helping you process the, the sadness, the pain, the growth, the, you know, you get to go back and look at it and revisit it several different ways. Um, writing is a big healing tool. Uh, had you, well, you were always a writer, right? Well, you know, I was an investigative, a trained investigative journalist, and I worked for a newspaper, and then I also got my master's in education, or not in education, in business and advertising, Uh and so, Uh but I, I never wrote anything with much feeling, you know, I wrote a lot of terrible things. yeah. And I, I'm just going to share this, because I do think it's really funny, um, and it did help me a lot. When my therapist gave me a journal, and you would think, okay, I'm a trained writer, mm-hmm. that I could write. And I would sit there and stare at this evil little journal like it was just <laughs> blank page after blank page. And I was really mad at it. And I I threw the first one out. Then I bought this great big bound one. And it had red lipsticks on it and great big lips. And it made me laugh. <laughs> and I brought it into my therapist and I said, you know, so-and-so, I, I'm having a problem. I don't know how to get started. So she takes this marker, like she's so funny. On the first page, she wrote, I hate. Then the second page, she wrote, I'm mad. On the third page, I wish. And she gave me all these silly little starts like that. And man, did I run with it. You should have seen by the end, Joyce, I was, <laughs> my hands would hurt. I had that pen, like I was etching it into a stone, and I'm like, 
F you and your little dog too and that mama. <laughs> you know, it was really awful, the stuff I wrote in there, really, uh-huh. truly terrible. And so I burned it because I said to my therapist, if anybody reads this, they're going to lock me up and throw away the key. And if my kids ever see this, because sometimes they were in there too, like, how could you fall for this? How could you say this to me? Oh. Um, yes. It got really fun after a while. Yeah. And I still use it. And now I just use napkins or backs of <laughs> restaurant papers. Like whenever I have a really negative feeling about something, I take my pen and I wrote, right. I always start the same. I am so mad. And then I start what I'm so mad about. Very good. Very good. I like that. Yeah, and you could do it on a napkin. You just need a pen and, you know, you could do it in chalk on a sidewalk if you needed to. <laughs> well, I, it's very impromptu if you're using napkins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when the spirit moves you, so you were right, right? Right. Well, we live in an era where you need these kits for everything, like a journal kit. You have to have a journal. Well, no, you really don't. You can have an envelope, a piece of paper. You can have just about anything. The point is to take that emotion and put it somewhere other than your body because that emotion can make you sick. Mm-hmm. Give you a headache, yeah. give you a stomach ache. You know, there's even some German studies that say it gives you cancer. So the point is to get it out of your body. Yes. Yeah. I bet you would have had a lot to write after that first visit with your husband to the therapist. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I went one time with my ex-husband and his new wife for some family counseling and it was so awful and I got up and left in the middle of it and I cried for hours after and you know I just I I get up every day Joyce and I raise kids and I go to a company and I do a really good job and I was sitting in my minivan in the middle of a parking lot at a jack-in-the-box bawling my eyes out (laughs) yeah and I say that because there's no good looking way to go through this. <laughs> no. There's not. And and if you were like me, the tears would come absolutely at the most unpredictable places. Oh, the worst I mean, places. You know. But the therapist the reason I say the therapist is because I've never really had envisioned how perfectly I was sacrificed. Uh, than that visit to that therapist, you know, oh. I was the meat and, um, and the meat wasn't fixing it right. You know, so I was the, um, sacrificial lamb, if you will. And it was just so eye opening and so hurtful oh. to, to see. And I think that's a, a common happening to most people that when they first start, into therapy work with, as a couple, their narcissist will hang them out to dry. Oh, and, throw them, throw them under the bus. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and we think we're going there to to fix the marriage, oh. and yet we're going there for the therapist to get us fixed. Right, and you know, Joyce, with my narcissistic partner. 
the first therapist I went to, and I hadn't really been to therapy before, so I didn't understand. I had been in group therapy in, in college, you know, as a swimmer and as a, you know, to make sure that nobody had eating disorders and all this stuff. So it was not like I wasn't unfamiliar with stuff, but I sat in there and my narcissistic partner came in with a yellow legal pad with a list of my offenses Oh, no. And I just sat there like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, I didn't know I was supposed to bring a list. And then I'm like trying to think about how do I defend myself? What do I put on my list? Like, it was insane. Yeah. Yeah. But were you not surprised at how openly the therapist received everything? I mean, just took it as law. (laughs) I know. The first one? That's yes. why I go back. I was like, are you kidding me? This was an ambush. You know, if my kids had come into me, two of them, and mm-hmm. one of them had sandbagged the other one like I was sandbagged, yes. there'd be hell to pay. Like, you know, you don't do this. This is not about working this out. This was just another way to beat me up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder how long that had been planned. Hmm. Don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know. But the important thing that you can take away from this today, my dear listeners out there, is that it's really important to choose the right therapist. Sandra was really generous in sharing the knowledge that she had gained in the importance of choosing a, a, a the correct um psychologist or therapist so go back and listen I think it's in number two and listen to those suggestions that she gave you they will be they will save you so much time and they will also prevent you from experiencing what Sandra and I both went through when we went to see a family therapist that was not skilled in narcissism so it's just really important that you Get that down. Sometimes you may not even know that's what you're dealing with, but hopefully through listening to these series that we're doing, you will have some idea that you are need to um, talk to a, a, well, you need to explain that to the therapist and then see if, if you are indeed living with a um, narcissist. And again, you can listen to YouTube. But it's not your counselor. You need right. the counselor. <laughs> it's it's going to offer you everything, and it's going to be very general. Every narcissist is different, and every and just as you are unique as well. So we need to pay attention to that. So how many? How much time did you actually spend with? We're talking now about. The, the transition stage. How much time did you put in on trying to stay in your marriage before oh, you made a decision? That's not working. Like three years. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, I didn't wake up one night and go, you know, Oh, Hey, it's time to get divorced. Oh, um, no. No. And my best advice to somebody listening today who's considering it is, Go through all your options. You know, do the best you can. Give every solution you can that's reasonable and affordable. And then 
after you've done all that, when you're done, you're done. You can't do anymore. You can't live the rest of your life, you know, trying to fix something that you didn't break. Mm-hmm. And so at some point, you know, you throw in the towel, but don't throw in the towel until you've exhausted all options, especially if you have children. And the reason I say this is when I finally, I went to see a lawyer and then six months later went to see another lawyer to file. The first lawyer mm-hmm. I went to, I started to cry because he's like, well, why did you marry the guy in the first place? You know, ah. that made me feel really awful. But it was, he gave me a lot of good things to think about. And mm-hmm. so when I did go to dissolve the marriage and the business partnership with another narcissist, I was at peace. Mm-hmm. I knew this is what I had to do. Well, you need to be very clear about that because the journey of a divorce with a narcissist is not easy. Divorce itself is not easy. But when you're with a narcissist, you need to be even more aware that the battle be many times will be long and hard. Um, And there is, you know, no promise on the other side. So you need to be prepared for that. So I encourage you to, as Sandra said, do your homework. Do your homework. Now, your actual divorce process was how long? Uh, let's see, 2009 to 2011, so two years. That's how long mine was. So it takes, it takes a while. So you need to be prepared you do. for that journey. It's, it's going to be long. And so, if you have kids, it's okay for it to be long because, you know, everybody says, oh, kids are resilient. Oh, kids are resilient. Well, any divorced kid will tell you it sucks. So giving them time to adjust to things is a benefit. That was the benefit of the divorce taking so long. It gave my kids a little more time to adjust. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good reminder. Um, how old were your children when you... Um, well, when I, they, when it was, I filed when wow. they were like three months old and two and a half years old and they were like three and five when the divorce became final. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I know everybody says, oh, well, they were so little they didn't know. Yeah. They, no, they, they may did. not have been able to sit up and say, hey, you know, we're going through a divorce and things are changing. But, you know, when mom's stressed and dad's stressed and there's lots of changes and everybody's upset, of course they get it. They don't know what's going on. They just know something's not good. Right. And when mommy's crying, that's probably a big giveaway right there. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And my mom was dying at the same time. She was, I was caring for her and she was dying of breast cancer. And I would cry every day and I had no idea why I was crying. And my older son, who was five at the time, he'd say, Mommy, are you sad? And I'd say, Yeah, I'm sad, you know, because grandma's going to go to heaven soon. So thankfully, like I would tell my mom, she gave me a good out for the kids because that was something they could, they couldn't understand the going to heaven part, but it was something palatable that you say to a little kid. Yes, yeah, and they could take that in. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, we've shared a lot on this segment. A lot about the narcissist. <coughs> Excuse me, Sandra. <coughs> Got this coffee here. <coughs> Sandra, can you take 
Yeah. So, you know, we did share a lot of the segment and, you know, there's, there's four shows in total and I encourage you guys to go back and look at the three before this, listen to the one after. If you can listen in order, if you can't, that's okay too, because the information here is designed to validate you, to comfort you, to support you and to help you move forward in a direction that's good for you and your family. Thank you. <clears throat> Got a little cough there, but you're so right. Is it, um, it is better if they can go and offer, go in order because it does build on it as far as knowledge about the different roles. But sometimes you can't. So each one I think stands on its own, which is beautiful job, Sandra. Beautiful job. Good job. We do good. good We're job. good. Good We're job. Good. You know, and it's perfect, Joyce, because, you know, nothing's perfect. And the listeners don't have to be perfect. And you don't have to listen to these in the perfect order. You just have to start today taking care of yourself so that you can take better care of your family. Right. So true. Well, we are going to, we're about to finish this hour and, and we will be moving on. Our next one will be the, the final segment. But I hope in this this segment, you've become more comfortable with understanding and identifying the narcissist and loving yourself, realizing that this is the time to take care of you uh, as you make this transition. Love for you to start very er much earlier than that, but <clears throat> sometimes we do what we do when we have to do it. So I thank you for being here today. I thank you for continuing the series if you've been coming back and listening to it. Sandra, again, I so appreciate all that you add to these programs. It really makes it a fun um, fun project to deliver to the audience out there. I'm so glad to be doing this with you. Me too. Yeah. So <clears throat> we will be back with another segment. Hope to see you there. Returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com. 